Mike, and you are listening to <laughs> my car rattling, shaking, moaning, groaning. Uh, but not that, you're listening to Driving Theology. <laughs> uh, it's another sunny Tuesday, but very cold, coldest day of the year so far. Definitely had our first freeze last night, or at least it froze last night. Uh, probably got down to minus three or four Celsius, somewhere in the low 30s. Uh, well, somewhere around 30, I suppose. Uh, but it's a clear morning. Clear and cold. Brisk, I guess is the word you would use. Uh, not too much wind, just a little breeze. So that is a weather report for today. And now on to sports. Uh, the Celtics are uh, having a hard time. I know you want to know about that. Celtics are uh, a team that I follow and have followed since, I suppose, junior high or high school, at least. Uh, but I was introduced to a new team. So here in Japan, there is a professional basketball league, which I kind of knew, but never, anytime I had a chance to see it on TV, it just did not seem exciting at all. And uh, really wasn't interested. Part of it's the, you know, the star quality of the NBA today uh, that draws us in and maybe success, I suppose, when your team's doing well, you tend to pay attention more. Uh, at least I do. But, uh, yeah, so I got to go to this game. We This uh, team, uh, it's called the, the Cyberdyne Ibaraki Robots. And we live in the prefecture of Ibaraki. Uh, and so they are our professional team. Um, but this week they were playing in Hitachi, which is kind of a rarity. Uh, they came out for a couple games in Hitachi. Their, their home uh, is Mito, which is in the kind of the cent cent center of the prefecture. Uh, they play sometimes down south in Tsukuba, and then I guess up north here in Hitachi. So anyway, we had some friends that were involved in the promotion of these games, and so they invited us to go, and we, we uh, went on last Saturday... And man, I gotta say, it was just exciting. It was fun. Uh, it was a close game. We we happened to lose it, uh, but there, there there were some dunks and there was some three point shooting and and uh, some foreign players were there. There was a seven foot American and a six ten Nigerian. Uh, another something like a six 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 forward that was really exciting to watch and. Anyway, and because we knew some of the people that were uh, involved in the promotion of it, they got us uh, not, I wouldn't say locker room, into the, lo into the locker room per se, but we did get to meet the, the team kind of in the in the uh, uh, team-only area, which is kind of cool. Got to talk to them, and and uh, man, they, they're tall. They are really big. I'm 5'7", and so... Tallest guy there is a is a foot and uh, at least five inches taller than me, four inches taller than me. I guess a foot and five inches taller than me, so almost a foot and a half taller. Boy, those guys got big old mitts, big old hands. But uh, it was really fun to to get out and support uh, a local team. Like I haven't really done that since. I don't know, high school, I guess. I, went, I lived in a small town in high school, and so the, 
the high school football team or basketball team uh, was kind of the, the professional team of the uh, uh, of the town. It's really all that was going on. But it's fun to get out and you know support the local team and and uh, meet some new people. And I ended up going two days in a row. Went back the next day to support them again. And that that game was horrible. Uh, the first game was was really entertaining and exciting but the second game they just did not do well at all not much to cheer for uh but still yet it was the the idea that you know the community kind of comes around a team uh and if you've ever been in japan you know that when a japanese person is a fan of something they are a fan of something uh, they don't miss games, they wear the clothes, they put the stickers on their cars, uh, they learn all the chants, they know all the names of the players, I mean, they, they really get into it, and there were some real, uh, diehard fans of this robots team that I hardly even knew of, I, in fact, I can't, I can't say that I even knew their name, probably heard it at some point, but just kind of blew them off, but, uh, Anyway, it was fun. It was fun getting out in the community and being a part of supporting a, a local cause, uh, even though it was just sports. Um, and I think I've talked about, uh, you know, what the uh, what sports is for a community, or what place sports has in the world, or or uh, what slot it takes up in the world that's missing from the old world, such as war and things like that. Um, but whatever my I think philosophically of sports uh, down deep, I just love it. I I, I love the uh, you know the the strategy of the game. I, I'm a I'm a huge basketball fan. Period. Um, but just watching them play and, and uh, you know duke it out and, and come back from a deficit or things like this uh, speaks to the human spirit. I think. Uh, and there are people that it doesn't seem to speak to. Um, and I think uh, it, it may not have me had there not been some gateway into um, basketball. You know, that I didn't really come into basketball uh, because of the NBA. I wasn't really inspired by any player. In fact, I probably, when I started uh you know, kind of playing basketball semi-regularly, I probably didn't even know any NBA teams or players. Because none of the towns I grew up in had teams at the time I was there, at least. Um, but there was a gateway into, there was a gateway into the sport for me. Uh, and that was just, a lot of friends were playing basketball, and that was a place that you, you know, you spent time with your friends. If they played basketball, you'd play basketball. Uh, if your friends played tennis, you played tennis, you know. Uh, you want to spend time with your friends and they want to do certain things, you tend to do what they do. Uh, and I know that I, I uh, did my share of pulling some people into basketball. And I was pulled into things like uh, cross country and track and tennis uh, at time, different times in my life and even volleyball. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a fun thing to do with friends. It, 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 it gives you a sense of, of working together, especially the team sports, right? Gives you a sense of working together for a cause. Uh, it's very regulated. There, there are rules and procedures, uh, and it makes it uh, 
kind of a controlled uh, activity. It's not so free that uh, that you just get stressed out, you know, with all the possibilities. There's, you know, you go a certain direction. You go, let's go that way. We gotta put this ball across that line or in this net or, or, uh, you know, uh, it's very. Uh, a lot of what you have to do is decided. Now, the way you go about doing it, there, there's a lot of freedom in that. And a lot of it's just happenstance. Uh, things happen in the game uh, that are either uh, lucky <laughs> or unlucky. Uh, things that are planned uh, that go well and things that are uh, not planned that go well. And then vice versa. So, yeah. Uh, man, I, I wish I knew. Um, all I can think of you know, during Jesus' time of sports was running. And of course, there must have been other things they did. Um, but maybe not. You know, people were so... Uh, so focused on survival, you know, uh, that maybe there wasn't a lot of playing that went on. Um, kids tended to start working younger, take up a profession very early. They start learning and, and working early, usually following in their father's footsteps. Um, they usually worked, you know, if you were a, uh, a Jew back in Palestine 2,000 years ago, you worked probably six days a week, and you probably worked from sunrise to sunset. Um, people apparently slept a lot more back then. Uh, man, that'd be great. I wish we slept more these days. I think we really burn the candle at both ends uh, with all the electric electric lights we have and, and uh, all the coffee at our <laughs> at our fingertips, <laughs> uh, caffeine, what what have you. Uh, anyway, I want to talk about this idea of of inspiration, how how one one thing or one person, a kind word or a, you know, uh, um, sitting down with someone to have a cup of coffee, uh, one conversation can go a long ways to ins inspiring people to find their uh, to find a path in their life. Um, I'm, I'm not sure who it was for me as far as music goes. If I look back, there were some people that, you know, my, of course my parents loved music and they encouraged our family to sing and, and we sang a lot as a family, pretty much every time we were in the car, um, we would sing together. Um, and, uh, so I would say my parents exposed me to music uh, and helped me find my voice probably first. Uh, but I wouldn't say that they inspired me to be a professional necessarily. Uh, one of my earliest influences was my uncle, uh, my dad's youngest brother, uh, who was closer to our age than 
my dad. He was, I think he's 13 years younger than my dad. Um, and so he was always real cool and uh, funny and, and he was extremely talented. He had a great singing voice. Uh, and he went really far with music in college. Uh, and the college he went to actually made recordings. And so we had some of the recordings at our house uh, of his college choir, uh, but he was also a soloist with the choir, and so we had recordings of him singing solo. I remember two specific songs uh, that I think I, I listened to just as often as possible. Uh, and he was a big inspiration to me uh, as far as singing. I was just so proud that he was my uncle. And uh, I remember there was a day at school, it's probably third or fourth grade, when the teacher allowed us to bring a record, our favorite music to school, uh, kind of a show and tell, but with, with records. And, uh, you know, the kids brought the Beatles and, you know, other 70s uh, stuff that, that, you know, kids or their parents were listening to, um, you know, very pop stuff. And here I show up with a, a Harding University acapella choir, uh, acapella chorus, I think they call the stuff acapella chorus, <laughs> recording of Negro spirituals uh, and, and various arrangements of hymns. And I, of course I played the, the track that my uncle uh, sang on. And, and I probably look like a total nerd. Um, but I didn't care. That's why I listened to. That's why I loved. I loved the harmonies, uh, and those choirs. If you've ever listened to any of uh, those acapella choirs from the, the '70s, mid '70s, man, some of them were really, really good. And I don't know if it's the LP recordings, the analog recordings that that really brought the flavor of it all, uh, the ambiance, uh, even into these little record players with horrible sound systems, but. There was something about it that spoke to me. And that was a gateway into me uh, hearing what a great solo voice sounded like. Uh, you know, how a, how a voice could come out of the, the mass, uh, the mass choir, uh, and, still, and still soar above it, and sing along with it, and be a part of it, but, but to be more than that. The idea of solo singing, I think, was probably implanted into me at that time. Uh, but then, you know, life goes on and you, you kind of, you know, get involved in other stuff. And I can remember uh, we went to uh, an African-American church in St. Louis for about a year and a half. And, uh, of course, the music in that church was uh, so much different than what I had been exposed to. And uh, my mom uh, became the choir director of a kids' choir that she kind of threw together with the kids at the church. Uh, and so I got to join in that, and, and that was fun, and got to sing with the kids. And uh, My mom is, is musical. She's not really trained, but she's, she's musical. I think she did probably a really good job. I don't really remember too much, but... In fact, I think I had forgotten that she, she was the director of that choir. <laughs> um, 
but I can't remember anything we sang, but I'd like to ask her about that next time I see her. Uh, and I think that the music of that community, um, of the African-American community, and the way that they sang uh, with so much spirit and heart, uh, I think uh, really affected me. I think that's that has stayed with me all these years. Um, but then in uh, in high school, I, I had, we made a big move. We moved from the St. Louis area out into the desert of New Mexico, and uh, the school there was quite different. And I had to make all new friends and uh, kind of start over from scratch in the eighth grade. And I kind of wanted to get in the choir in the eighth grade, but they wouldn't let me join for whatever reason. Uh, they wouldn't let me get in, so I didn't join the choir in the eighth grade. But as I was going into high school, uh, no, actually, no, I didn't. So I went into high school without joining the choir either. Had they let me in, into the eighth grade, I'm sure I would have joined the choir from my freshman year, uh, because a lot of my friends were in the choir in eighth grade. But yeah, I went into the ninth grade just a lost boy. Uh, I was, uh, I. You know, thinking back at it, I, I had been bullied a bit, being the new kid. Uh, I was in culture shock. I mean, the culture was so different from my, uh, you know, suburban, blue-collar upbringing uh, out into the desert. Um, that, you know, there were, there were lots of uh, Native Americans. There were lots of Hispanic people. And I just had not been around them much. And there... And I had been around white people and black people at, at that time, black people because of my church experience. Uh, but, you know, I grew up in a white, blue-collar community. And so going out there, it was just so different. I mean, so by the time, you know, I spent, eighth grade was fine, you know, nothing horrible happened. But when, when I got into high school, I think the freedom kind of hit me. And, man, I just did not do well. Uh, but eventually, after my, um, let's see, what was it? I'm not sure exactly. Uh, but um, eventually, right before my the second semester of my sophomore year, uh, now I had been singing in church quite a bit in the youth group by this time. I think I was even in a, a quartet that we'd formed in church. Uh, and so I was getting some confidence in music. Uh, but I got into the choir. Um, my, yeah, uh, second semester of my sophomore year. I had switched schools for a while, but then I went back. I was gone for just a semester. And uh, from then on, man, music became a huge part of my life, and I kind of uh, forgot about not forgot about, but stopped trying to be an athlete. Um, I love sports still, but I just decided that music was where I was meant to be. Meant to be, and uh, from then on, I really haven't looked back much. Uh, today, music has is still a, a big part of my life, but it's uh, I think it's tempered with a lot of other things, a lot of other things that are going on, especially spiritually. Uh, and, you know, just being a, a husband and a father. Um, but music is still a big part of my life. Uh, so 
a big part of my identity. Uh, and I had to take some time off from it to make sure it wasn't the biggest part of my identity. Um, so, but there was a, there was a person uh, in my senior year, she was my, uh, one of my best friend's moms. She was a musician, a piano player, uh, and she was producing and directing a musical um, that was going to happen on at, at the high school theater. Um, they were using the high school theater, which is a little bitty, little bitty theater room. Uh, but it was also kind of connection connected with the Mormon Church. I'm not sure how it was connected, but maybe it was just the fact that uh, we practiced together and whatnot. We used their facility sometimes for practice. And she was a member of the Mormon Church. Anyway, she gave me the opportunity to have the lead role in this musical, and it was really overwhelming. I, I, it's kind of what I wanted to do, um, but the fact that she really uh, pushed me in a good way and, and believed in me, believed in my talent, uh, that's where the professional aspect of music came in. That's where I thought, wow, I could maybe do this, you know, as a job. And so I got a lead role in uh, Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which is a just a spasmodic musical. It's great. It's, it's crazy. Um, all over the place uh, by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, and then from there, the same year, uh, later that year, I got a role in the high school musical, uh, and they were doing Fantastics, and again, my best friend's mom was involved in that. So, thanks, Judy. And I got the, the lead romantic role in that. Uh, I played Matt in the Fantastics. And from that point on, I just decided, well, what I want to do is music, and so I decided to major in music, and, you know, some people believed in me and, and saw in me despite my, my horrible uh, academic record, my inadequate uh, <laughs> athletic ability, uh, they saw that, that music was something that was working for me and they gave me opportunities uh, and encouraged me that direction. And, and that has been a lifeline for me. I really believe uh, down through the years that, that music gave me, it, it was the vehicle that kind of helped me keep things together for a, a large part of my life. Um, it was a center for me. Now today I don't believe it should be my center anymore. Of course I, I, I'm trying to make Jesus my center in all things. Um, but nonetheless, uh, perhaps Jesus allowed music to be a gateway uh, to him, you know. Maybe that's one of the ways that I have, I have discovered uh, who Jesus is um, through music in a lot of ways. But I haven't really thought about that a whole lot. So last night I watched a video and it's about Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz, uh, you may know, is the, the creator of uh, Charlie Brown, the Charlie Brown cartoon. Um, uh, it was... Uh, not cartoons, it was uh, the funnies, right? The, the cartoons in the paper. 
the Charlie Brown series, and and he was a a a an underachiever par excellence. Uh, he. he he had no athletic ability. He had no academic ability. He really didn't have anything going for him in his life. Uh, and I would say that the thing that he had going for him that really uh, saved him was just his ability to roll with it. He was, I wouldn't say he was okay with his uh, lack of uh, star quality or lack of standout talent. Uh, but but he he had this this stoicism about it. He was a, he was stoic about it, I guess. In other words, he thought, well, if you know, if I'm going to be something great, it will happen. If it's if it's meant to happen, it will happen. I also believe he was a man of faith, uh, and I haven't really explored that yet. I'd like to know more about his uh, his um, his walk with with Jesus, but. Uh, Anyway, the one thing he had going for him was his drawing, and he had this belief in his drawing. He, he, he liked what he drew, even though nobody else seemed to. He was rejected time and time again, time and time again by even his high school newspaper rejected his ideas uh, for uh, a cartoon. Uh, and Disney turned him down. You know, he just kept drawing, and and uh, just kept doing what he thought he should be doing. And eventually, uh, his genius uh, came out. And his genius was, <laughs> of all things, telling the story of his mediocre life. <laughs> and uh, that resonated with people. You know, Charlie Brown is basically Charles Schultz. He is Charlie Brown. Uh, and so, you know, he, he basically tells the story uh, of his loser life uh, in the form of a cartoon. Uh, and, and it resonates with people. People get it, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, the rest of the story is legend. Uh, you know, he's a legend in the field now. Uh, and, the, and the simplicity of his drawing. Um, and the honesty, the raw honesty, and even the pain uh, that you see uh, in the life of Charlie Brown uh, is really astonishing. Um, yeah, so you know, somebody gave him, somebody put out a lifeline to him at some point and says, you know, we're going to believe in you. We're going to I, I see what you're doing. I see you. I see who you are. I see what you're trying to do. And I want to try to help make that work. You know. Uh, I, I want your success to be part of my own success story. Uh, and, and there were special people like that out there. And I think Jesus was the, the person who did this the most. I think that's what he saw in Peter. James and John and, and all of the apostles. Uh, and I think that's what he continues to see in us. He continues to see value. He sees value in us that, that other people may not see uh, and we may not see in ourselves. Uh, Jesus values us. God values his children. Uh, 
and and he would never do anything to discourage uh, or to, um, to to squelch or I guess the word is quelch uh, our gifts and our talents he, he he is the gift giver now sometimes we we worship our gift and I, I've been uh, I've been guilty of that uh, sometimes we uh, end up worshiping the gift as opposed to the gift giver uh, and, and that is uh, not a good state of affairs to be in um, but I just want to encourage you uh, to to know yourself to to stick with it to uh, to not give up on uh, what it is you think that Jesus has put on your heart to do or to be. Uh, and also to to be a person who helps others discover their, uh, their hidden talents and to encourage people, right? Uh, this is hard to do because a lot of these talents, uh, there's another... Uh, video that was uh, that preceded this one. A lot of these talents first bubble to the surface as huge annoyances. It's annoying, you know, that that kid who's always screaming at the top of his lungs, or or the kid who's constantly throwing the ball at, on the wall, uh, or you know, clicking his pencil or shaking his knee, uh, or you know, who knows? Who who knows what? may point you to what a kid's talent is. But I think discovering the beauty uh, and, and the ability in kids, especially, I think is what parenting should be all about, you know. Unfortunately, what, and I've been guilty of this, unfortunately what parenting sometimes becomes about is knowing what you want your kids to be and trying to make them be what you want them to be, as opposed to looking inside of them and seeing who God has made them, uh, and then allowing that to to bloom and to flourish. You know, this is a, this is a big this is a, a big difference, right? Uh, I I've encouraged all my kids to be musical. I've kind of pushed them that direction, uh, and they have been. Right to to some extent, they've been interested in music because I am interested in music. Uh, and but I wouldn't say that any of them have that I've seen yet, like this this wish to be a professional musician, to, to do it as a as a job, to make a living at it. Now, I don't see that that's anything that that they are terribly interested in. And there's a part of me that hurts because of that. You know, I wanted them to be more successful than me, uh, but in my field, and I and I'm now recognizing just how selfish that is. You know, uh, it's not about making them a little version of me. It's about making them the best version of them that they can be, and encouraging them. Right, discovering beauty inside of them. I hope that, uh, you know, I think that's what Jesus is about with us. Uh, and that's what Jesus was certainly about with his uh, disciples. 
And I think that's what we're supposed to be about. Discovering the beauty inside of another human and helping them, uh, helping them realize and to reach the potential uh, of that, that tiny bud or uh, you know sapling that's inside of them that hasn't grown yet. Encouraging that to come out. You know, what what is that? What is that kernel? Um, and I'm kind of in that aspect of my life now. You know where I'm in. I'm, I'm a year from fifty, and I'm I'm blessed to have some people around me who uh, I can I can speak to from time to time and and share with them and encourage them in their uh, in their talents and, and uh, it's really difficult though because it takes us to give up a little bit of control right? we need to give up a little bit in order for other people to take on stuff and I think that's the that's the that's what a producer is right a lot of producers who were formerly musicians or actors or whatever they now have to take somewhat of a back role and accent other people's talents uh, and to become a, a supporter, uh, a discoverer of sorts. And I think that's a great calling. I, I kind of hope that I will discover that myself, both as a teacher uh, and, and as a, uh, just a person, you know, but certainly as a father. I want to be the kind of father that puts his own agenda on the back burner while um, encouraging others uh, to grow the beauty that's inside of them and not forcing my, my own uh, opinion of what their beauty should be or what their talent should be. kind of went to an unexpected place, uh, didn't really expect it to go quite there, uh, but I'm going to stick with it, I'm just going to go with it, and uh, yeah, I think I'll post this one, I, I haven't really had much inspiration lately to uh, do these podcasts, um, sometimes inspiration's hard to come by, uh, so yeah, I hope that uh, all of you have someone in your life who begins to pull out the, uh, uh, the beautiful talent and desires of your own heart and help you nurture them and, uh, and that you do the same for others.
I can do to help you, let me know. I am here. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.